Hello and welcome once again to The Drop-In. I am Gerald Valley, and you know, if you've been here, I bring you some of the most amazing guests, some of the uh, truly phenomenal guests, and we talk about their story, how they got to where they got to. And today's, today's guest, I'm so excited because in my old studio, he was my very first guest. And it was one of my first times ever being on video, gave me some great pointers. He's been a mentor of mine. And so when Kurt agreed to come on in, in our new location here at the Better Rate uh, Mortgage Studios, I was so stoked, so excited. He probably doesn't even, may, may not even remember the conversation, but it helped me so much as a person to grow. And we're going to get into that a little bit. So with, I'm, I'm not going to run my mouth too much because I want you guys to get to know my friend, Kurt A. David. Kurt? Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. It's exciting to see what you're doing here and how you continue to grow and, and progress and build as well. Well, I think about the first time we met. You were signing your book at the Gibraltar Trade Center. Yes. Yeah, I stopped to shoot the breeze a little bit. Do you remember that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was. Uh, in fact, it's kind of sad it's closed up now, that place. But um, it was a great conversation, listening to what you were looking to do and, and where you were at and your journey at that point and, and talking about what I'm doing. And, and geez, that was probably... Over 10 years ago now. At least. Yeah. At least. And then when uh, I started with NRM, um, you were my first choice. You know, when I started, because the co the podcast started from the couch, we moved it to video, and I'm like, I got to get Kurt in here. It'd be yeah. so cool. Yeah. And we had a great time doing that as well. Absolutely. It's great to see your growth as well. And it started with this book, right? It started with a book signing. And it, it's neat to see how, how doors open, right? You know, and I believe God opens the doors he wants us to walk through. And so meeting each other and then progressing and We've been friends ever since and seen watching what you're doing and, and, and continuing to you know continue to do what we're doing. And so that's the exciting part. Yes, it is very exciting. And I'm, I'm excited to have you guys here. You know, I don't take your time lightly. You're going to spend an hour with us, hopefully get up energized, excited. I talk a lot about the goosebumps. They're already here. I get goosebumps all the time. And hopefully you do too, as you sit with us and spend an hour on the drop-in. And with that, I want to start with From Glory Days, the book. How did you get the idea to become an author, to write the book, to do what you've done with that? Yeah, no, I appreciate the question. I mean, first of all, it starts with who I am, right? And, and, and I can't talk about what I do without talking about who I am. I was raised, there were six of us in my family, all six of us are on athletic scholarship, and two of us played professionally. So imagine that household growing up, very competitive, very sports-minded. I don't know how my parents clothed and fed us, to swear to God. And, and so uh, moving forward from that moment, I was one of the two children that played professionally, and as I learned, and, and everybody knows, 100% of professional athletes ultimately lose their job. Undeniable fact. At some point, you're done pro, right? You understand as well, right? Mm -hmm. that, that professional career is over at some point. And so when I had my journey out of pro sports, I had my own challenges and issues and, and, and took a year off just to figure things out. Move forward from that moment. And years later, I had the idea. I said, boy, it would be neat to sit down with other former pro athletes and hear about their story, and more importantly, how they recreated their successes. And that's what spawned the idea for the book. So I sat down with 20 former, and since being here in Detroit, I sat down with 20 former Detroit Pistons, Tigers, Red Wings, and Lions, and interviewed them about their glory days, but also talked about that transition out of pro sports and then how they recreated their success, and that spawned the book. Uh, the book came out, did a ton of signings. You know, that's how you and I met. Uh, I think I did over 60 signings in the first three months. It was, you know, two, three in a weekend sometimes. Anyway, the book was a hit. Um, at that time, my agent and I were like, boy, this is bigger than the book. Let's, let's do a TV show based on the book. So that's where the TV show concept came from. 
Started with nine interviews, first season, then up to 13 and 13 and 13. We've done four seasons of the show. We won an Emmy in season four with my interview with Rocky Blyer out of Pittsburgh. Um, and so that was a great uh, accomplishment, you know, sitting down with Rocky, hearing his story. And we can talk about that later as well. But that, that's the progression of what happened here. I have a counseling background, a master's in counseling. And so part of my interest in sports was personal, right, from my own experience. Part of it was professional to hear about how did you guys handle this? What do you, you, you took a 95% pay cut, right? Divorces, bankruptcy, all the things that come with this transition out of pro sports. What did you do to find success again? How did you recreate your purpose, right? And so that became my passion. And what's neat is that it's started off with a book. And first of all, let me say this. I, I remember vividly fifth grade hating, hating, reading, <laughs> hating, writing. I wanted nothing to do with it. You understand, uh, right? Yeah. I'm like, man, this is, this, you know, I really don't want to do this, right? But fortunately, I had great teachers, teachers that taught me, teachers that stayed with me and says, no, this is an important life lesson. And thank God I listened and learned some things because years later, when it was time to write a book, it was like, oh, well, I got a little bit of skill to be able to do this, right? And so lesson learned, right, as a result. But um, that said, you never know. You never know in life. I mean, that, that moment of, okay, I'm still going to learn how to read and write, and obviously it paid off, right, many, many years later. And now it's turned into a brand, right? Not just the, the From Glory Days brand, but my own personal brand as well, speaking and doing workshops. And uh, I'm very fortunate, very fortunate. Well, and it's, it's so cool to hear the progression. Mm -hmm. And I remember it might have been season one, maybe season two of the TV show. I came down and yeah, was in the, the audience studio, yeah. because you had Greg Steffen on the show. Yes. And when I was, you know, coming up in the, as a goaltender, Greg Steffen was the man, and it was so cool to be in there, small audience, and be with uh, just legends of the game. Mm -hmm. Such a, a great environment uh, for the audience mm -hmm. to be a part of that. Yeah, it was really that was a fun part of it was the interactive audience. I mean, you know, we always had Q and A at the end of the interview, so an audience member could ask somebody a question. And um, yeah, I miss those days of that audience. And, and you know, we progressed. Obviously, the shows progressed, and it's just a matter of of you know, do we need to go back to our roots again and, and have the audience again? Because I really enjoyed that part of it. It was fun between takes, just kind of ribbon and having fun with the people in the audience. And the athletes loved it, too, because they liked the interaction, you know, off camera as well. And so, yeah. And, and you're, you speak on stages. I speak on stages. That's one thing we've missed over the last few years. Oh, you know, huge. Having to converse with everybody through through social media or through Zoom or yeah. through whatever other. Not the same. It just isn't, yeah. and I try as yeah. hard as I could. I, I, I take a shower, do my whole routine <laughs> up to getting right. in front like, of there. But that crowd interaction yeah. is so special. Nothing replaces it. Well, I'm, and I'm, I'm six foot nine inches tall, so <laughs> that in person really has an impact, right? And literally, I went from over 100, I think it was 140 in person speaking gigs in 2019 to seven in person in 2020 and three in person in 2021. So it's, it, you know, that's been a huge transition. Now, the good news is I'm starting to see that crack open again. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. it looks like things are going to happen. But, um, you know, so that's been a challenge. But it, again, it kind of goes back to, well, how do you handle that? What do you do during adversity? What do you do during change? And that's one of the things I speak on. And so, yeah. you know, I, I have to live and practice what I preach, so to speak. Yep. One of my favorite quotes, and I, I don't know the actual author, but it's never uh, a lack of resources. It's usually a lack of resourcefulness. And I oh, think yes. in this time, definitely being resourceful is so important. Yeah. yeah. So and important. that's what's so good about what you're doing is it helps provide people with tools. Yeah. Okay, different yeah. people you're speaking to are different tools, different ideas, your own journey, other people's journeys. 
It works out pretty good, I think, for all involved. You know, it's, I'm, I'm glad to have you in studio. I'm glad to have you guys spending this time with us. And hopefully you're taking some notes as we move along. Get something that gets you stoked. Get you fired up to get out of bed in the morning. That's ultimately the goal of the drop-in. So with that, I want to ask, um, you know, you've had some incredible guests over the years, you know, uh, on the seasons of From Glory Days. Is there any one, I know you brought, brought up Rocky, <laughs> but is there, there one that really stands out? Yeah, you know, I get asked that a lot. And, and the hard part is I've done 50 TV interviews, and each one of them have their own unique stories, right? Each athlete has their own. I might have the same line of questioning for each athlete, but they have their own unique story based on it. Uh, you know, we know Darren McCarty. Darren is uh, somebody that's well-known around this studio here. And Darren was one of those guys I watched from a distance for a while because I said, well, our goal is to have somebody that went from here to here and found success again. So we were kind of waiting. And having Darren on the show, he talks about very candidly about his four Stanley Cups. What an accomplishment. Well, love, people would love to have one Stanley Cup, right. right? He's got four of them. He talked about his very public and very horrific transition out of pro sports, right? Talked about all the problems and all the challenges that he had. But then he went on to talk about, this is what I needed to do to change the direction of where I was heading in my life. And so sharing that was very powerful to say, these are the things that I did that helped me get into a better place. And so sharing that was, was talking about from here to here to how do I get back up here again, which is very powerful. Probably the single most powerful story of all the interviews I've done was a guy that was the number two draft pick in the NHL. He wasn't number one. He was the second pick by the LA Kings. He came out of Ottawa, Canada. His name was Doug Smith. And Doug Smith was 19 years old, went from Ottawa, Canada to Los Angeles. Imagine that, from little Ottawa to all of a sudden. He said, I was 19 years old, money in my pocket, driving a Porsche, condo on the beach. He said it was a free fall. In right? the biggest market. Correct. Arguably the biggest market in the United yeah, States. Absolutely. Pro sports, you know, media. Anyway, so he's there. So 19, he said it was just a free fall. All this, you know, he's just like, man, just money, everything. At 28 years old, during a professional hockey game, he went headfirst into the boards, went from being a professional hockey player to quadriplegic, like that, snapped his neck. And Doug talked about how obviously it was just, you know, how, how unbelievably he couldn't comprehend what was going on, right? I mean, you go from being a pro athlete to nothing from the neck on down. Talked about being so despondent, upset, you know, just the problems. And he, he said, I, I couldn't even kill myself. I couldn't even take my own life because of the fact that I had nothing from the neck on down. Anyway, his wife, recognizing his mental state, said, listen, you know, I, I can't imagine what you're experiencing, but I, I, I love you. You have two beautiful daughters that love you. You have a lot to live for. And Doug talked about during the interview, that was his seminal moment of shift of his attitude and talked about that at that point on, he started looking at, okay, what's going on with my body? What's going on with me? And he and his wife started doing more and more research about his injury. The good news is they discovered his spinal cord was still intact that the paralysis came as a result of the trauma of the shattering of the vertebrae. I think it was over 200 pieces that his vertebrae shattered. And as a result, that his spinal cord was still intact. And so over the course of about eight years after that, through different therapies, different uh, type of, of exercises, he's now walking again. And he's a motivational speaker and author throughout Canada. And so what a powerful story, right? We, we've had him on the show two seasons. I was like, well, you got to tell this story again, right? This is so powerful. But you know, each, each athlete, I mean, it's, it's fun. Here in Detroit, I mean, we've had a lot of great athletes. Uh, you know, Lem Barney, who's in a Hall of Fame Detroit Lion, talked about how he was so passionate about football. It took him 18 years. It took him 18 years to stop having dreams about football, often tackling an elbow on his wife. <laughs> he said, hey, you wake up, and I was like, wife's like, hey, slow down, you know. 
And so, but, you know, one story after another, so many stories. Rocky Blyer, you know, we won the Emmy Award with Rocky Blyer. And I know you wanted me to narrow it down to one. I just can't, right? Well, <laughs> and I have to comment about Doug because you yeah. connected us. We talked a yes. few times. And for you guys, I called them. They were flooding. Is he? I think he's in yeah, Ottawa. Ottawa River. Yep, yeah. it was flooding. And he call, he answers the phone while he's filling sandbags. This yeah. is the guy that was paralyzed. And he's such a cool dude. But he's like, hey, what a uh, story. gee, yeah. can I give you a call back a little later? I'm filling some sandbags <laughs> right now. I'll talk to you in a little bit. But what an amazing story. Yeah, he tells you what kind of guy he is, too. That he knew that when I connected, it's like, oh, yeah, this is a, a good you know introduction. And so yeah. it's good. But yeah, and then Rocky. Rocky was a, uh, a national champion at Notre Dame in football. Drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, played a season with the Steelers, got drafted into the Army, literally got an Army draft, went to Vietnam, so it was during that era. So he went from the fields of the NFL to the fields of Vietnam, literally. He said, you know, you go from trying to be the best athlete to my number one goal is survival, literally. Mm -hmm. Shot in one leg, (laughs) hand grenade in the other leg. Comes back to Japan where the doctors are like, oh, you'll be okay, you're going to walk again. He's like walk i want to play football they're like oh you'll never play football again came back and won four super bowls after that right i mean so those are the stories that we love to promote and tell and yes you know and so and then he's having great success you know he went from the four super bowls that transition out of pro sports created some companies he does a lot of speaking as well and motivational speaking and so it's neat to see these stories right i mean i could tell you story after story of these guys that go through here to here but also then what did they do to get back up again mm-hmm. fall down seven get up eight Yep. Right? And these are the stories that we like to tell and let yeah. people know about. Yeah, definitely. And and I, I totally agree with you. If somebody said, who's your best guest you ever interviewed? I, I don't think I could pick one because <laughs> yeah. each one hits me a little different. And yeah. I get something out of the the time we get to spend together. Yeah, absolutely. And it, the audience as well. Somebody yeah. else might have something else that resonates with them. Like, oh, yeah, you had that guest on and that really hit home with me. Yeah. Absolutely. And you just never know. You really never know. Uh, but it's awesome that we have this opportunity to bring bring uh, this kind of content to you guys with so much going on that isn't so positive to bring you a little bit of an hour of positivity. And that's what we're doing here with Kurt A. David. Um, you know, the guest thing is always a question. It's always a question. I, I, I like to um, I like to see, um, you know, what 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 inspires you? And obviously guests have. Are you still creating uh, you said you have four seasons yeah, and you'd like yeah. to get back to it. Any any chance of yeah, uh, more we, TV we, coming? We had a little hiccup, something called a global pandemic. Um, we had a lot of momentum. We, we, our goal was after season four and winning Emmy, we said, well, let's just take this thing national, right? Let's keep the momentum that we have going and let's take it national. So we positioned some things to do that. We lined up with an agency out of LA who was going to start shopping the show to bigger networks. And all of a sudden, everybody went on furlough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... Uh, we lost a lot of momentum. We were looking at actually a national name host as a result of saying, okay, well, Kurt David's good, but let's get a national name in there. Worked out contracts and agreements with that, but we just haven't got the momentum back. So we're literally, and this is the first year hearing it, folks, this is not public until now, that we're going to look at going back to a great local show. I'm going to host it. We're going to keep it going. And so we're going to revitalize it that way. So we, we took a shot at the national, but unfortunately because of the timing and everything happening, it you know, we're going to come back to our roots again. Yeah, that's cool. Like I said, the content was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And especially uh, with what you're doing here in the Metro Detroit area, yes. people here are so passionate about oh, their huge. sports. Yeah. <laughs> and so to be able to learn or to humanize some mm-hmm. of those people that maybe uh, 
uh, we only grew up with on TV yeah. to read something Greg or Stephan, see them. As an example, you mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. I didn't know he's a golf pro and, yeah. and, and those kinds of things. Won a Stanley Cup with Carolina as a coach over there. Yeah. And so he had to leave the Red Wings, unfortunately. It's kind of like with the Detroit Lions. A lot of people have to leave in order to win a Super Bowl, but yeah. we won't talk about that today. Right? <laughs> no, <laughs> they got some good things in return, but they didn't get a Super Bowl, yeah. you know. Uh, but, um, you know, in 2018, we're going to move a little quickly because we only spent an hour with you guys. But I wanted to talk about Purpose Point a little bit. Mm -hmm. And in 2018, uh, you co-founded Purpose Point. Yes. Can you tell us about that? What that is, what you guys, what your goals are, where you're going? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, uh, you know, it was so exciting. And I believe the doors get open and, and you know, things happen. And I, I just, I stopped being surprised, right? I just, I, I really, things have happened in my life that I'm very grateful for. And I also believe that it's not by chance when things happen. And so I had a chance to meet somebody by the name of Davin Silvano. And Dave and I were in meetings together. It's called C12. It's a Christian uh, CEO and business owner group. It's something national. And they had a local chapter. And he and I were there. And we got talking afterwards about the speaking business. And he's like, boy, wouldn't it be great if we could create something that would really resonate with, with speaking, with coaching, with some of these other aspects. And what we didn't plan on was things shifting so quickly. So we ran a, we had a summit called the Purpose Summit. And our goal with the Purpose Summit, the first one, was to have people attend organizations, individuals, that they walked away, to use your phrase, stoked, like, oh my goodness, I am realizing my purpose, whether it be uh, professionally, personally, whatever it is, in identifying that and then just lighting them up, just see them light up, right? We had so many people that afterwards were like, oh, I just needed this. This is what I needed. 2020 happened, we had to cancel the Purpose Summit, and we had one in 2021, which turned out well. And now we're going to uh, the Purpose Summit in, at the University of Notre Dame in 2022 in May, coming up here, as a matter of fact. The fact that it would be a great opportunity for individuals and organizations to say, wow, this is something. It's a leadership development group. And like I tell people, a leadership development doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be a CEO of a company, right? I could be a leader in my family, right? How do I learn leadership skills that apply to my personal life? How do I learn leadership skills that apply to my professional life? And so our target is to have people there and hear these different speakers from all over, everybody from uh, the CEO of WD-40, right? I mean, who doesn't know what WD-40 is, right? Uh, Lippert Industries is one of our co-sponsors. They are a, I think, 4 or $5 billion industry that's in the RV market. Right? And they're based out of South Bend. And that's one of the reasons why we're going to that area. But, you know, here these national leaders talk about this is what I do as a leader. This is my purpose. This is how I help my individuals and my organization have purpose. And just refocusing. I mean, purpose is a word that I guess a lot of people are using these days. We've heard more and more over the last few years. I think there's a more of awareness right now. But our goal is to help each individual, whether it be personal or professionally, identify and recognize boy, you know, this is the why, you know, I off camera talked about the why and identifying their why and why, you know, that's so important because when things do get tough, if that's not there, it's going to be a rocky road, right? But if I have my why, if I know my purpose and things do get tough, like a, a great example, these last two years, I, I, I mentioned how many speaking gigs I went from to, to basically zero, right? Almost. Well, I still had my why, which was uh, helping people, serving people. And, and, you know, how do I continue to do that? Okay, well, I can still continue to do that in different manners, right? Whether it be on a Zoom or in other manners, a phone call. And so that was still maintained. I just, the vehicle that I, I did to deliver it had to change temporarily, right? Uh, but the why was still there. The purpose was still there. 
That makes sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. And everybody, sense. you know, we're created for a purpose. Everybody has a, a very, to use the word from the jerk, special purpose, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not that special purpose from uh, Steve, Steve Martin from the jerk, for those of you that are Steve Martin fans and the jerk fans. But seriously, though, uh, we all have a special purpose. We're all created for a purpose. And the, the best day of somebody's life isn't the day they're born. It's the day they identify their purpose. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And, um, you know, over the last two years, uh, figuring out our thinking, rethinking my why and resourcefulness mm-hmm. and how can I use this time? Yeah. And I mentioned off camera, you know, I'm just getting ready to la- uh, launch my next book in about a month. It's huge. And, and yeah. that's one of the things that got done over this time. Yeah. Uh, being here in this studio, continuing to create content, figuring out new avenues to inspire people. Mm-hmm. Another way to get to get people excited to get off the couch, to get out of bed in the morning and be excited about it. And you just, I think, hit the nail on the head. When you start to think of your personal why, not only the corporate why or anything, your personal why, and you ask yourself those questions, that's a game changer in everyday life. Yeah, yeah, and and you bring up a good point, the corporate why. What we see, and Davin's really good, the, the founder of our company is really good. He's our CEO as well. I'm the chairman of the company, so I've kind of changed my roles along the way, but David is really good, and he explained it this way, which I think is great. He says, you know, when, when a company starts, they have a purpose. They have a specific purpose of why they started, whether they're inventing sprockets or, you know, rockets or whatever it is they're inventing. They have a specific purpose. Mm-hmm. As they continue to scale and grow, they have to add more people. As they continue to add more people, they have to add more processes. As they continue to add more processes, now they have to start really focusing on bottom line and dollars and profits. And, and, and they've kind of lost track of that purpose that, that is supposed to permeate throughout all that, they've lost and become segmented where, you know, we added people, then we had to add processes, and now we're really focused on our profits. And, and they've lost touch with that purpose. It doesn't permeate throughout all those layers anymore. And so our goal is to help organizations and individuals permeate that purpose throughout all those layers. You still have to be profitable to sustainable. You can't, there's, there's no mission without money, right? You have to have that. So profit is still, and productivity is still part of it, but in the process, they're still there. But how do you permeate that purpose so that people understand this is why I'm going to work. A great example of that is there's a company, I can't think of the name of the company, they make specific hospital beds, right? You know, so you have these manufacturer workers that are they're putting screws in beds. And once they identified with the fact that this screw I'm putting in could save a life, right? They identified, they connected that dot and that purpose of the original company, it was like, what I'm doing is important. And so identifying that and, and realizing that is so important. You know, a great example is your life, right? You've had a journey. You've had an absolute journey. And and through that journey, there's a purpose for that journey because it set you up to help others in a lot of different ways that I can't help because you've had a specific journey. For one, you wouldn't want to see me on a skateboard, right? <laughs> <laughs> for two, you wouldn't see me long on a skateboard because I'd be on a, on a concrete somewhere, right? But you, you understand what I mean by that. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the greatest examples of getting away from your purpose, and everybody knows Walmart. And when Sam Walton... Uh, I think it was 2008 when he uh, decided he couldn't embody his bone bag anymore mm-hmm. and be on this planet. The the company really shifted yeah. and has prior to that it was employee driven. He right. had a whole different purpose for the yeah, company, absolutely. and they're trying to get back to that. But that I think is a wonderful example of yeah, when they lost when... their purpose. Yeah, I mean here's a guy that's a multi multi billionaire driving a truck with dog hair all over in it, and people that get in a suit that sit down in his truck, he's like. So what? It's my truck. These are my dogs, right? You know, what's the big deal? Right? Yeah. And so, but he had that grounded uh, idea and purpose of what he was trying to do. 
Yeah, yeah. It was a when I found that out, I'm like, I like that. I like that a lot. And I did. They did did talk about the document I was reading about. He'd drive a beater to work. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. like, I'm just a normal dude, right. man. Right. It didn't matter. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was great. But um, you know, with Purpose Point and everything you're doing right now, I I can't think of a better time for that messaging. For everything we've discussed over the last few minutes, mm-hmm. just the whys and, and developing a purpose, especially with, uh, you know, people, uh, we've been on lockdown, we've had to do right. this and do that. And then some, the essential workers have had to work nonstop. And, yeah. and I brought up burnout off camera. Uh, I, I can't think of a better time for people to visit Notre Dame this year yeah. and, and be at the purpose. Summit. Well, it, it's, it's really, I think that you identify right now because of what we've gone through, you identify the fact that boy, there's a problem, right? And, and the problem with me has become manifested because of the fact that people have had a lot of time to just kind of sit and think, right? Before, we're constantly moving. We're constantly moving. And, and, and that could be a good thing, but it also can be a bad thing because a lot of times we don't realize and we don't think about things. And now it's caused people to think of, why am I doing this? Why, why do I go to work at this time and hate my job? And why? I mean, that's why we've seen such an exodus. And I think, I can't remember the stats. I, I think it's it's ungodly amount. I don't know if it's in the 60s or 80% exactly, but uh, a large number of people are leaving their jobs because of the fact that this is not what I want to do. You know, I had an awakening, so to speak, a great awakening, and whatever you want to call it, a great reset, great resonation, great awakening. That's what we're seeing. I mean, it's just, you can't go anywhere around here without seeing help wanted signs, right? And there's a specific purpose for that. People, I think, are, you know, well, I really want to do this, right? My wife and I have a 19-year-old daughter that I love to death, but she's point blank said, you know, I just expect things to be handed to me now. And it's like, well, that's a problem. You know, that's definitely a problem because that's not the way you've been handed uh, your life and that's not the real world. But a lot of people don't want to earn, go work at Arby's, go work at McDonald's for $15 an hour, which is ungodly, right? In my opinion, it's like, wow. You know how many years it took me to get $15 an hour before that happened? But Anyway, I think what, what's happening is we're seeing awakening right now of people saying, why am I doing this? What am I doing and why am I doing this? Whether it be a relationship, whether it be a family, whether it be a work, I think people have had time to think, which is good, but also can be dangerous. Yeah. It can be dangerous if not handled well of what, what it is that they're thinking about. Right? Yep. And according to uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who I'm a student of, you know, by the time people are 35 years old, 85% of their days are on autopilot. Yeah. So I, I calculated the hours when I was writing, and it's like, you know, the majority of your day, you're doing the things you're doing just because you did that thing yesterday. Oh. And when you get to your why, you know, even on the mundane things, you know, yeah. why, why am I wearing, you know, blue dickies? Yeah. I'm like, because I like and they're functional. I can come up with a bunch of whys why I would still wear them, but a lot of people would be like, because that's what I did yesterday is you normally. You know what? That's a great point because I've heard a speaker, his name Orrin Woodward, out of New York. He's a New York Times bestselling author. Anyway, he talked about how people literally, people literally could do something for 30 years and they're not growing because they're just doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Where somebody in one or two years can pass up that person in 30 years because they're, they're, they're looking to grow. They're, they're active. They, they know their why. They're, they're going into it with the idea that, boy, this is my purpose and this is how I'm going to continue to grow my purpose, right? Where other people are just doing the same thing for 30 years and not growing to somebody who in two years can go way past them for the same type of position, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. And I think when you are passionate about anything, 
you know, uh, and you're a great example of this. When you're passionate about what you're doing, writing a book, uh, telling these stories, look at the doors that open. Like, I, I highly doubt that 10 years ago you could have imagined where you were going to be at today. <laughs> I, I feel so blessed. I really do. I think that if I look at, I mean, this book's changed my life. The Emmy Award has changed my life uh, in a positive way, and, and I'm very grateful for it. And, and often, it took a while for my wife to realize what was going on. She's like, so what are you doing here? What's this all about? And I'm like, just trust me, honey. <laughs> it's going to work out. And, and it is. And, and you know, I, I love speaking now and doing workshops because my passion is helping individuals and organizations face change like a champion, as I call it. And so understanding the commonalities of success for people and organizations that, that have found success, these are the five commonalities and what they do in order to accelerate through change. And so that's one of the things that I speak on. And I was just down in Arizona recently for the Siemens Corporation and spent a week down there with 700 different employees talking about that and all the changes they're going through. And, and it's, it's great. And it's not, it's not about, it's all about me. It's about, wow, I can help people navigate this and it helps them. And, and the affirmation for me is simply understanding that I help them, right? It's not about, oh, look at me. It's like, wow, that's great. I got a chance to help you. Yeah. How may I serve? Yeah. How may I serve is a great question to ask. When you get out of bed in the morning, it's a wonderful question. Uh, just how may I serve? Whatever you believe in. It's a great question. So you're going to get me going right now because <laughs> I have a counseling background, a master's in counseling. And I, and I really believe that, that some of the problem, not all of it, but some of the problem with the depression and anxiety that we're seeing so much that's rampant right now, especially these last couple of years, I'm not going to deny the fact that there's chemical or biological reasons for that. There, there is. But also I see when people are so inwardly focused, they, 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 that's all they think about is themselves and their problems and everything going on. Where the more outwardly focused you can become, the more you forget about your own problems. I think, I think that's one of the things that really has helped me throughout my life is, you know, there's been challenges and roadblocks and things that I've had in my life. But by continuing to be outward focused versus inward focused, I think if I was inward focused about all the things that I've had to experience in a challenging way, I'd be a basket case, right? But I continue my focus outwardly to say, who can I serve? How can I serve them? What do I need to do to equip myself to serve them? Right? That's the focus on me is what can I do to get better? And then focus on how do I serve people as a result? But I think the people that can do that can, can help from an emotional state, right? Because I have lots of reasons to be depressed. I do. I mean, I've had things, and we all do. I've had things that have happened in our life. But by staying outwardly focused and focus on serving others, I think that really helps, in my opinion. I think we're designed that way as well. And, and I completely agree with you. You know, uh, being in recovery, five years sober, yeah, one of the biggest yeah. things, thank you, one of the biggest things uh, in, in no matter what recovery program you're part of, AA, whatever, it's, it's helping somebody else. Mm -hmm. You know, get, get outside of yourself, yeah. help somebody else. And I think that that journey for me helped me do that even more. You know, it helped us. Look what you're doing today. That. You're helping somebody else, right? And hopefully somebody hears this and it resonates and for your story or my story, and, and uh, that's where the power is. Yeah, and it's exciting and fun and, and still does, you know, it gets my adrenaline going. Yeah. Part of the reason I, I started doing this is because I knew I couldn't be high-energy athlete all the time. <laughs> and this, this, The glory days, yeah. Yeah, exactly, from glory <laughs> days. But I think it's even, it's e even bigger than that, you yeah. know, with what you're doing, uh, just helping so many people. Well, here, and here's what I've learned. I've learned that, you know, titles are great. Making money is great, right? You know, those things are great. But to me, the real value of life is, is the ability to change a life. 
Yes. Right. That's the value. That's that for me. It's like, that's what wakes me up. That's what takes me away from my family is the value of, of being able to positively change a life. Right. Those other things are great. Money's great. Title's great. But uh, that ability to change positively change somebody's life is powerful. Definitely. Definitely. And uh, uh, speaking of that, you know, we, we talked about the Purpose Summit coming up yes. in Notre Dame. Can you talk a little bit more about some of the yeah, guests that yeah, are going to be absolutely. there? Absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to have uh, the CEO of WD40, uh, Lippert, Jason Lippert, you know, the, the family name of the company. I think it's a four or five billion dollar company. A lot of different guests that have written books about purpose. Also, people that are very much aligned with what we align with of, of how do we help people? How do we serve people? We have 18 different speakers. It's May 17th through the 19th down at University of Notre Dame. Uh, if you want, it's thepurposesummit.com, right? That's the website, thepurposesummit.com. Or you can go to my website, kurtdavid.com, and there'll be links to that as and well. And you can get there. to it through PurposePoint as Correct. well. Correct, yeah, purposepoint.com. So there's lots of different avenues to get to it to find out more information. And I just, you know, I, I encourage people, if you feel so moved, take a look at it. If you feel like something that could help you, absolutely, right? I mean, we, we, our goal is not to sell people. Our goal is to help people. And so, you know, we, we want to... We want to help people and want people to be there, obviously, because we can't do this unless people are there. But we also understand that, hey, when you're ready, when you're ready, mm-hmm. come on over. Well, and, and you just remind me because I love quotes. I read a ton. And, <laughs> and again, Dr. Dyer says, you know, uh, love what you're doing and sell that love. Yeah. You know, I don't want to sell a product. Right. I just want, I, 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 and I'm not even selling anything. Yeah. I just want you guys to feel the stoke, feel the passion <laughs> right through that lens and go, I want to, I want some of that, yeah. <laughs> whatever those guys yeah. are on. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to read people and it's like, whoa, you know, okay, I'm going to take it down a couple notches. But um, yeah, it, it's love and experience, right? I mean, here's, this is a belief that I've heard and I believe it 100%. Everybody deserves love and respect. Everybody. I, I believe that everybody on this planet deserves love and respect. But not everybody deserves my trust. You have to earn my trust. And so I believe as people, we all should love and respect, but doesn't necessarily mean I have to trust somebody, right? You have to earn that trust. And, and it could be you know character or whatever you want to call it as part of that trust. In other words, as people trust me, my character improves because I'm doing things that I say I'm going to do. And, and so, but again, it goes back to everybody deserves love and respect but you have to earn my trust. And I think if everybody approached life that way, I think we'd all be eager to try, okay, boy, what can I do to earn your trust, right? Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate your love and respect. What can I do to earn your trust now? Yeah. And one of the best ways, in fact, this is a little tidbit here uh, from kurtdavid.com. If you want to know how to earn people's trust, one of the easiest and best ways to do that is to serve them. To serve them. Because you serve other people, they start trusting you and realize, boy, you this person, he or she cares for me, and that's how you build that trust. So it's one of the easiest ways to build trust is serve others. I like it. I like it a lot. Simple. And let's, uh, since we're talking about KurtDavid.com and whatever, or whatnot, let's uh, talk about the five rules. Yeah. Because as I kept doing my research for the show, yeah. I'm like, I, I like this. Five rules. Five is easy to remember. You can rules, easily write yeah, down. We all have rules of life, you know, sports rules, everything. And so... What it is, what you're describing is, through my research with former professional athletes working with highly successful organizations, as I studied them and saw the transitions they were going through and then studied the successes that they had, I realized there was a commonality, right? There was like, oh, these, this is the pattern. This is the pattern that people are doing in order whether they're going through change or transition or adversity. These are the five things they're doing. And so being the simple mind, 
I, I thought, okay, how do I remember these five? So, so I created an acronym, RULES, R-U-L-E-S. Each letter stands for something. Each letter means something. And so the R stands for refocus. And this is going to be a crib note version, right? I, I typically could speak anywhere from 90 minutes to three hours on this topic, right? And so this is going to be a crib note version. But the R stands for refocus. What I've discovered is that individuals or organizations that are going through a change had to refocus. And the best way to refocus is evaluate current goals and establish new goals. A great example of that is, I use this story when I speak, on January 16th, 1920, right? None of us, you and I weren't around, but on January 16th, 1920, something epic happened in America that was called Prohibition. And at that time, there was 1,273 breweries in America that were running and brewing beer. Well, on January 16th, 1920, all of a sudden, they couldn't do it anymore. That The U.S. government said, no legal sale of beer or production of beer, right? Imagine if you had a company, if you were one of those 1,273 breweries that were told, you can't do this anymore. We know what happened to the 80% that closed, but 244 of those companies remained open. And so my research was like, well, we know what happened to 80%. They were told they couldn't do this, and so they just stopped doing it. But what did those 244 do that remained open? Mm -hmm. Well, one of them was... Uh, run by a couple German immigrants. They decided they weren't going to take this prohibition lying down, and they had to refocus. They literally went from brewing beer to malt extract, ginger ale. They even started making car and auto parts during that time. And as a result, Anheuser-Busch had to refocus. They reestablished their goals during that change, and they survived prohibition to the point that when beer did come back, they sold for, what was it, $52 billion or something not too long ago to a company. And so that's just one example. I mean, I can give you examples of athletes and other organizations of how they refocused, but that's the first step. It's the first step, setting goals. You know, if I'm going through a change or a challenge, what are my current goals? And every goal has to be measurable too. And that's one of the things I always say is if you set a goal, it's got to be measurable. You know, you can talk about smart goals or different things as well, but that's the first letter, R, refocus. And again, we could go deeper, much deeper into it. Well, and I'll say you've lived that. You yeah, live that lots from of being professional athlete yeah. to realizing this, to this, to yes. this. It, it, you've 100%. lived it. You've yeah. lived that. Absolutely. So I, I, it's time tested, right? I see it with organizations, not just my own personal life, but a lot of other highly successful people and organizations as well. But So that's the R. The U stands for using network. What I discovered is that people going through a change and transition or organizations all have a vast network of people, right? They have their refocus, they have their new goals, and they look at that network to say, well, who can help me accomplish this? And I always want to clarify, I'm not talking about using and abusing people. I'm talking about creating win-win. I'll use the Anheuser-Busch example again. During that transition that they were going through with Prohibition, they had a vast network of people around them already for distribution of their beer, right? I mean, they had a vast mm -hmm. network already in place. Well, now all of a sudden it's like, hey, guess what? We're not distributing or we're not selling beer anymore or making beer anymore, but we have this malt extract, we have ginger ale, we have car and auto parts. Who can we tap to in our network to, because all of a sudden all those beer distributors too had to readjust. And so now all of a sudden I have a new product that I could distribute, right? So they use their network to help with their refocus to go into the, through that change. And that's what helped them survive as a result. And we can, again, we can go deeper into that. There's athletes that have tapped into their networks when they were done playing pro sports. Uh, one example is a gentleman who played for the Red Wings. When he got out, he was a financial advisor, and he tapped immediately into his vast network. Said, "Hey, guess what? I'm no longer playing pro sports, but I'm doing this. Help rocket his business as a result. Finding win-win relationships within that network. 
So that's what the U stands for. Uh, the next letter, L, let go, is bar none, no doubt, without a question, the most difficult for pro athletes. Letting go, right? And Letting I think go. that's why so many end up, you know, coaching or doing this or be, staying. To or trying to still play for another three years when they should have quit three years earlier, true, right? You know, and, and spending all this money that they didn't have trying to keep playing. But, yeah, it's, it's, and part of it is, you know, and you understand this, you know, it's in the marrow of our bones. Fall down seven, get up eight, right? You just keep going and going. And, and so knowing when to let go is very difficult for a pro athlete. But it's also very difficult for, for um, organizations, right? Sometimes there's organizations that they need to let go of things in order to move forward through change. Uh, a great example of that, I was always talking to a Ford exec many years ago, and I asked him, I said, how did Ford Motor Company survive this downturn we had back in 2008, right? Everybody else was taking government money. The other auto industries were taking government money and loans, and, and Ford didn't, and they got through that, and... And they were one of the only big three. I think they were the only They were one. the only big three, absolutely. And then, you know, started turning profits as a result years, you know, within years after that. Um, this Ford executive said, you know, yeah, we did many things to get through that downturn. But one of the things we did is we realized that we had to let go of something. And I said, oh, really? What was it? He said, well, we were spending a lot of money on a, on a mantra that we were promoting. Quality is job one, right? Remember those Ford mm -hmm. Motor Company ads and everywhere? Quality is job one. He said, we had to let go of that because we realized we weren't doing it. We weren't creating quality. He said, we had to come to grips with that and let that go in order to move forward. And so that was one of the things they had to let go of in order to move forward again and have success, which they did. And then they started creating pro quality product again. And it was like, whoa, okay, now the market is coming back and here we are. And so that's just one example. Um, you know, I could tell you about athletes that have had to let go and everybody's got their own timetable for letting go, right? Um, I had a gentleman that called me out of Houston, Texas. And he says, hey, I heard you're the guy that worked with transition and athletes. I said, yeah, tell me more. He says, well, I just won a medal in the Olympics. I said, okay, you have my attention. Right? <laughs> and so he went on to explain that he wasn't sure if he wanted to continue in the Olympics, commit another four years. So he and I started working through the rules, right, the R-U-L. We got to the L, and he's like, well, I don't know if I want to let go. I don't know if I want to commit another four years or, or not. And literally, he... He took about six months of our conversation, regular conversation, before he re finally realized, yeah, I think it's time. I'm going to let go. I'm not going to commit another four years. It, it catapulted him then into the next phase of his life as an actor and, and doing all these things he's, he's having great success with now. But it took him that long before you know he was able to let it go. To the contrary, I got a phone call from an agent here in Birmingham, as a matter of fact, that said, hey, I got a baseball player that just got released in spring training from the Tigers. Can you sit down with him? Sat down and started working through the rules with him. Within a week, he's like, I'm done. I'm no longer a pro athlete. I'm moving on. He let it go right away, right? And so everybody's different of their letting go. And so, but it is an integral part of moving forward is letting go. And sometimes we have to let go of the successes, not just the failures, right? We have to let go of the negative thoughts, but also the successes. I'm going to be long-winded on this, but I it's a very it. important topic. Uh, I, I love history, in case you didn't notice. But in the Roman Empire, when the Roman generals came home from their conquering lands, they had these things called campaigns. It was equivalent to a Super Bowl parade today. When a team comes back with their Super Bowl parade and all the accolades, well, this is what was happening in Rome when the generals would come home. I can envision it. Yeah. Like, I see it. Yeah, like, the chariots, yeah. The, the people. It was such a big deal that even their families were dressed in white and on chariots following this general. It's in history, and you can read it, that as this parade was happening through Rome and all the accolades of, hey, you just conquered Alexandria or wherever they came back from. They have somebody chirping in a general's ear the whole time, all glory is fleeting. All glory is fleeting. In other words, 
So what? What's next? Mm-hmm. Let it go. Keep moving, right? And so that's a, such an integral part of moving forward during change is understanding what it is I need to let go of, how do I let go of it, and then boom, it's going to help. That's just a, one of the steps, and that's the L. Well, and I can comment just for a second on yeah. that because that step for me where I, I didn't have to step, I didn't have to be a circus monkey on my skateboard anymore. That was that was the letting go part yeah. where I could just go out and ride any way I wanted to ride that day. I didn't have so to. So it was freeing for you in that Oh, sense. completely. Yeah. You can see the goosebumps. But you had to let it go. It was such a, a right. big moment. So it's funny you say that because a lot of professional athletes, they they still see themselves as a professional athlete, right? And And... I, I laugh when somebody says, oh, Kurt played pro basketball. I'm like, yeah, formally, right? You know, look at my body now. It's not a pro athlete anymore. But oh, you can reach the rim on your tippy Yeah, toes. I wish. Yeah, those <laughs> days. But uh, last time I played, I snapped my Achilles, as a matter of fact. Oh. I was in a charity basketball game, totally ruptured my Achilles. So it's never going to happen again, right? <laughs> that is so such a horrible it injury. It is, yeah, nine months. Don't ever do it, yeah. But seriously, though, so, you know, that letting go is so important, and, and it's such an integral part, but knowing when and how to do it, too. I mean, you had an epiphany of this is what I need to do, and it's freeing. But when you do it, though, it really is freeing. It allows you to be able to focus. The next letter is E, and this is where the grit comes in. This is where the work comes in. This is where it's not a one and done. Anytime you go through a change or transition, it's not, okay, I'm done, I'm there. No, not at all. It's a, it's a, I like using imagery of a water pump, the handle water pump. Sometimes those water pumps, you got to prime them and pump. Sometimes you got to pump and pump and pump. Sometimes it gets water on the first pump. Sometimes you got to pump 50 times to add more water and still pump. And that's that way in transition. Sometimes you pump it once, you're getting water. Other times you got to pump it 50 times and you're still not getting water where you have to work through the, the rules and, and using your network and letting go. And, and so I always tell people in organizations that, that going through tra- change and transition, it's not like I do this and I'm there. It might be. But or it might be, boy, I got to do this repetitively to get through this process, and that's where the grit and keep going through. A great example of that is a gentleman that I interviewed. That he was an all-American basketball player out of Washington D.C. Best considered one of the best high school players in the nation. Went on to become a college all-American at Syracuse University, one of the best college players in the nation. Went on to be a number one draft pick of the Detroit Pistons. Went on to become considered an NBA Hall of Famer, one of the best players in the NBA. Went on to be top 50 NBA of all time. Went on to build a $500 million business, a year business. Then he became Mayor of Detroit. And Dave Bing, over and over and over again, continued to execute through his changes. He could have rested on his laurels at any time. Right. I'm a high school, I'm a college All-American, I'm a NBA Hall of Famer, I built a $500 million business. But he continued to execute through his rules. He kept refocusing, using his network, letting go, and moving forward. And that's a great example of, of how people go through change. I mean, to this day, he's still helping people inner city, right? Uh, mentoring kids. So he's still uh, serving and giving back. I mean, he could easily rest on his laurels. But just a great example of somebody executing through transition and change over and over again. Makes and sense? probably enjoying the process. Somebody like that probably really enjoys And this is, I don't know Dave Bing, but... The process, for me, sometimes is, is just as exciting as the goal, yeah, and, and yeah. for um, uh, Dave. Well, and remaining relevant, too, that my pur- I still have my purpose. I'm still serving people and doing things, whether it be as a mayor, as a business owner, NBA Hall of Famer, whatever it is, right? I'm still serving people, and so, you know, that's, that's what wakes him up every day and gets him excited. I know that for a fact, and so that's great. The last letter, S, stands for someone. What I've discovered is individuals and organizations going through uh, a 
change have a mentor, so to speak, someone in particular that helped them get to where they want to be. Sometimes it's somebody that's been there that they said, you know, I've been through this. Yeah, this is let me help you get through this. Sometimes it's somebody that just has that knowledge to be able to say, well, these are the steps of doing this. As a great example, uh, a good friend of mine, he was, played in the NBA for quite a few years, and he always loved, he was enamored by TV. I always loved TV. He's like, man, i just interested in it, just enamored. Well, partway through his professional basketball career in the NBA, he started hanging out in a TV studio right here in Detroit and had one person, and he's like, hey, can I just hang out with you when I'm, when I'm not on the road? Can I just come in the studio and watch you? And he's like, yeah. Just. And so he started learning from this guy, and as a result, he learned a lot about TV broadcasting, the TV world, and as a result, Greg Kelser has been a TV broadcaster for decades now because he learned he had a mentor that helped him through that transition and change to get him where he is today. And so R-U-L-E-S, refocus, using network, letting go, executing, and then someone, finding someone to help you get through this. So that's the five rules. Again, this could be a 90-minute, three-hour presentation or sit-down. Uh, that's it in a crib note version right there. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because, I I mean, I know you guys got a lot out of it. I got a lot out of it. Uh, I had to write down Dave Bank because I want to do more research oh, about yeah. him yeah. because uh, when I see people like you, uh, like Dave, who, you know, start here and, and, and most I think humans on the planet would have been totally content with a professional basketball career. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, I'm going to sit on that. Um, but then to refocus, yeah. repurpose, and, and, and also doors open. They mm -hmm. sort of, uh, there's something bigger than us that yeah. often guides us. I agree. You know, and when we don't fight against that and get out of our own way and, 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 <laughs> and quit trying, put our ego on the shelf for a minute and go the way we're supposed to, uh, more doors open. Yeah, and I you're agree. a great example of that. Uh, I love those stories. I love those stories. And um, uh, just so where, I have a question for you. Where do you, where do you see this going? Where do you want to be with this? What is it that you? Where do you see this? You know, the podcast helping people. Where do you want this to be? Just continue to grow, continue to grow, inspire people any way I can. Mm -hmm. If it's you know, I, I have a new book coming out as I yeah, mentioned in a, in a month or uh, actually about a month and a half. It'll be mm -hmm. available. Uh, get back on stages, just inspire people through through stories, my own personal stories, stories of my friends. Right. And and I love when that light bulb goes off uh, over somebody's head mm -hmm. and they go, I can do that. Yeah. I, I could do that. I um, I think it all started for me. I was speaking down in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee, and I got a letter about three oh, weeks after. Saudi Daisy. Saudi Daisy. S-O-D-D-Y <laughs> Daisy. That sounds like off the beaten path. Oh, it was up in the mountains. <laughs> and about three weeks after, I got a letter from a principal. And, and there was a young man in the audience who had said, uh, you know, the principal said, um, you know, his mom and dad are both in prison. Uh, he doesn't show up at school. And I might get choked up. I get really emotional. Sure. Um, and he's living with his grandma. And after he saw you speak, he said, I want to be like Gerald Valley. And he, and he never missed a day for a month because I had donated a skateboard. And I said, you know, don't go by grade point average. Uh, go by attendance. Just, they just have to show up. That's right. it. Whoever shows up for 30 days straight, their name goes in a hat. They yeah. can get the skateboard. And, uh, and that kid, that's all that he wanted motivation. was that. And, and some other teachers picked him up a pair of shoes, and, and it really changed Start his life. falling or snowballing into something bigger and better for yep. him. And that one person is the reason I was on that stage yeah. down in Tennessee. And that's what I love the most. You know, I get a text message at 6 a.m. And, and from a friend maybe I talked to weeks ago saying yeah. thank you. Or, or, you know, somebody on stage, somebody read the book. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure you've had that Well, feeling. it goes back to what I said. Titles are great, money's great, but having a, a positive change, a 
for somebody's life is, is where it's at, in my opinion, which is what you're describing. Yeah. That's ultimately the goal. Yeah. You know, however, however, whatever means I can take to mm -hmm. get there. I love having friends in studio sharing their stories because so many people don't know the backstory right. of, of whoever it is. Yeah. And, and that's what you have done with From Glory Days yeah. and, and continue, to, continue to do. Absolutely. Great story. You, I know you asked for one earlier. Here's another one. Charlie Batch. Charlie Batch was out of Pittsburgh and came to Eastern Michigan University to play football. The only reason why he came to Eastern is it was one of the only scholarship offers that he had. He really didn't know where Eastern Michigan University was, but he <laughs> came from Pittsburgh to Eastern. His junior year at Eastern Michigan University, Charlie Batch got a phone call from his mom back in Pittsburgh saying, you got to come home. And he's like, well, Mom, what's going on? I'm in school. We got workouts and everything. And she's like, no, you need to come home. Finally, he's like, Mom, what's going on? Your 17-year-old sister just got murdered by a gangbang-related shooting drive-by shooting. So he told his coaches at Eastern his junior year, Charlie said, I don't know if I'm coming back. I got to go help bury my sister, help my mom out. Went home, buried his sister. Mom's like, nope, go back to Eastern, finish your college degree, finish your football. Came back, broke every quarterback record, drafted by the Lions, traded to Pittsburgh, won two Super Bowls with Pittsburgh. And this is why we had him on the show. He now has a foundation, inner city Pittsburgh, that he gets kids off the street who uses sports as an attraction, but they also have education and, and tutoring and other things to help these kids, not just bring them in for sports. And he says, if I can save one life and honor my sister by doing this, it's well worth it. So mm -hmm. those are the stories we want to get out there. I mean, you, you wouldn't know that about Charlie or what's going on, and, and, and that's why we want to get that out there about what he's doing. And those kind of stories, these athletes are having an impact, a positive impact, and so those are the stories we want to get out there. Yep, and so you ask why I do this. That's one of the, the a big reason yes. why I do this is there are so many wonderful people in this world, and and they don't talk about the journey they 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 have endured mm -hmm. to get to where they're at, right. and that's why I love doing doing what I'm doing. Yeah, there is no overnight success. There's overnight wealth, right? There can be overnight wealth, but there is no overnight success. Just, I love it. Twenty it year time. overnight success, right? Yeah, You're yeah, twenty year overnight. Yeah, success. something like that. Maybe longer. <laughs> Well, with that, I, I think that's a great way to wrap up. And hopefully you guys at home took all the took notes on the rules. You've already Googled Kurt. You've checked out Purpose Point, all that kind of stuff. Because anything that can make you the best version of yourself, I encourage you to take advantage of that. Kurt is one of those people that can help get you there. Kurt, thank you so much well, for spending pleasure. some time here yeah, with us. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, is there anything that we didn't touch on for the people at home as far as getting in contact yeah, with Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, everybody's been created for a purpose, and finding that purpose is one of the most important aspects of your life is finding that and knowing exactly why you get up every day and, and what it is that you're designed to do, right? Because all of us are designed differently. I, I'm six foot nine. You're not, right? <laughs> you want to see me on a skateboard. But uh, seriously, though, and so identifying that, and sometimes – you need help in, in doing that and finding that. I mean, we're not born with the identity of, oh, this is what I want to do. No, sometimes you need people in your life and situations to help you become aware. And that's one of the purposes of the Purpose Summit is to help people become aware, organizations as well as individuals becoming aware of that. Right on. Well, thank you again for thank being you, here. Thank you, my pleasure. Thank you guys for spending time with us here. And um, it, it's just going to continue. It's going to continue. More guests on the drop and more uh, encouragement for you to be the best version of yourself you possibly can be. And so with that, I want to thank you again, Kurt. My pleasure. This is Kurt A. David. I am Gerald Valley, and this has been The Drop-In. <laughs>